All right, so that was Jordan Massey. He's over at our Southwest campus. And one of the things we're going to do in this series is we're going to, our, we call it our bumper video. It's a video that allows people to kind of get off stage and new ones to come on. And uh, you're going to hear related passages to our messages each week. And you heard Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians thanking God for the Macedonian churches that even in their poverty, even in their challenges, they were excited to partner with Paul in giving to the saints in Jerusalem and giving to the ministry. And so he was thanking the churches in Macedonia, which the main one was Philippi. And so uh, you will see this. And so when you see different staff members and different people reading Scripture, it is preparing your heart to kind of talk about what we're going to talk about through this series. And this series is called Joy on the Journey. You might ask sometimes, well, how does... Pastor David, decide on what to preach. Is there a book? Does somebody tell them what to preach? And, and it really is. It's not an easy thing, but we prayerfully think about uh, trying to give you the whole counsel of God's Word. We're already looking at what we want to do in 2023. Uh, but what I thought coming out of the Sermon on the Mount, which I just can't believe that y'all kept coming back because those are heavy sermons and those are challenging sermons um, And Jesus really was drawing a line in the sand and saying, you need a righteousness you cannot have on your own. It needs to come from me. And and it was prior to the cross, the resurrection, and what he did for us on the cross and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what we know is the Holy Spirit enables us to try to live that Sermon on the Mount life. And if you're new, you can hear those messages back on our website if you'd like. Uh, But uh, what I just felt and sensed was coming out of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the character and conduct of a person who is in the kingdom of Christ. Is to look at something very practical. How, what does it look like for a group of people like you and me to get together on a weekly basis, be in small groups, come together and worship together? What does it look like for us to practically live that kingdom life, that kingdom conduct and character? What does it look like when we have the will of the Lord and the kingdom of the Lord living in and through us as a group of normal, average Americans and people who aren't American? We're all gathered together from all over the world here. But what does it look like for us to be a kingdom church? And so I had several to choose from in the New Testament. And, and the and the The church in Philippi was a special church. It was special in its unique beginnings, where the city of Philippi is. And I will share with you some of the historical context as we move through this series. But I think what really jumps out when you read the book of Philippians, and I encourage you to make that, maybe read through it several times, you will just hear the heart of a pastor who just loves this church. He loves this church. I love Westside. I love this church. And you're going to hear the Apostle Paul loving this church in Philippi, and this is a, it, it, it will surprise you to realize when you read the text that it was written by a man in prison who was separated from this church that he had planted, and yet you hear what I'm going to talk about, and that's joy. You hear it in his writing, you hear it in his voice, his spirit, and you hear it in his desire for his church. A church that was separated from the apostle, a church that was facing persecution from the Jewish community there and from others, a church that was struggling financially and and poverty and all sorts of things, he wanted them to have joy on their journey. And you and I live in a very secular age, in a very secular place, 
You, you, you and I face challenges and problems. And, but I think there is, there is no reason to think joy should be the exception in our life. I think from the Lord's standpoint, joy is the expectation of His children. I think it's His expectation for us. And we'll hear Jesus talk about this as we refer to some of his passages throughout this. But Paul is writing from joy for joy. And I'm preaching this series from joy. Does that mean I don't have troubles and pains and struggles as a pastor and as a person? No, we all do. Ministry is a challenge. Life is a challenge. But I can tell you that there is in me a deep-seated joy that is somehow disconnected from circumstances and happenings. You can be joyful and not necessarily be really ecstatic or happy about that particular day. But I am preaching from joy, but for joy. We're on a journey together. And where is this going to go? It's going to be fun. At the end of this series, we have our Thanksgiving supper uh, together, which is on Sunday night, November 20th. Pies, it's not supper, it's pies and praise. But I can eat pie for supper. And, uh, but we, we're going to come together and we're gonna, our kids are going to sing, our student ministry is going to sing, and we're going to read through the book of Philippians in a fun way. You'll want to be a part of that. It's kind of be the culmination of our joy-filled seven weeks. So if you're excited about being joyful for seven weeks, say amen. amen. All right, you're ready for this then. Uh, this is the apostle and this is the book dedicated to joy. And what we're going to find first in these 11 verses, these first 11 verses, I believe this to be true, is that I think your greatest source of joy can be and should be, apart from your own personal walk with the Lord and with your family, your greatest potential joy really can be found in the fellowship with God's people, in, a, in, a, in being partners in mission, partners in the gospel with other believers, and I think we'll see that as we walk our way through. So let's read this together uh, as we open it up. It says in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. And so he's writing to the saints. He's writing to all the believers there that are in this little city. And there wouldn't have been thousands Maybe hundreds, I don't know how many. 20 years after the resurrection. And they're facing challenges. I just picture little house churches dotting that city of Philippi. But he's writing to those saints. And among them are overseers. Those are people who are kind of directing things and guarding the church and helping the church spiritually. And then there are deacons. These are just people who serve the administrative needs of the church. And so he includes everybody. And, and notice what he calls himself. He says, Paul and Timothy, we're just servants. Doulos is the word in Greek. We're just slaves of Jesus. We're just all servants. And I, we're writing to you, the saints, the church, the called out ones. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then here he dives in. He just said, he can't help himself. I am so thankful every time I think of you. I thank God upon all my remembrance of you. Every time I pray, every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, From the first day until now. 
He says, I can't help but smile when I pray. I just, my heart fills with joy because I think about from the very beginning, church, you've partnered with me in the gospel, in this mission. I'm not alone because of you, he says. Verse 6, and I am sure of this, that what we began and what God began, he began that good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I'll just give you a heads up. If you walk with me through this whole uh, series, you're going to hear that Paul's looking at a day that's coming. He's kind of consumed with this day. And what day is it? It's the day when Jesus returns. And he didn't know when it was being. He just anticipated it would be pretty quickly. He says, oh, listen, he's going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And he's trusting God with it. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with, of, with me in grace. Have you heard those two P words? Partners and partakers. He's so excited that they're doing life and doing this mission together. Everything is better together, isn't it? And he says, I'm praying. Verse 8, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so I want to encourage you to find a great source of joy in your life through a community, a fellowship of God's people. And here's why. Three things. When we're together, we know three things. We share the same beginning. And I'll explain that in a minute. We are growing through the same process, and we are pursuing the same purpose, the same destiny. We're heading towards that same day together. So we're on a journey together whether we want to be or not, we're on a journey together, and I believe we should have joy. I believe there's joy to be had. Let's talk about the first thing, the joy of sharing the same beginning. What does that mean? Well, in the first verse, it talks about uh, us being saints. And you may have walked in here not feeling very saintly this morning. You may wake up not, you know, it's not the first thought you have in the morning. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of saintly this morning. We think of saints differently, don't we? Saints are a particular group of people that really got their act together. Or maybe if you're from a Catholic background, they've got this idea that there's saints you can pray to. There's a group of them in heaven. You, you have to perform a miracle on earth and you're declared a saint. That's not what it's, saints are. If you are a born-again believer, that is your identity. You are a saint. You are a holy one, not by virtue of performance, but by virtue of God's performance for you. The work of the cross, if you trust in it, it sanctifies you, brings you out of spiritual death into spiritual life, connects you to the living body of Christ, makes you set apart in Christ. So my sainthood is a product of my faith in the set apart one, my faith and connection to Jesus Christ. He uses the name of Jesus like 40 times in this book. He is obsessed with Jesus, and I'm telling you, your joy is always connected to Jesus. And, and, and this idea that we are set apart in Christ Jesus, that we're saints, is something that we share. You and I may not share the same age, demographic, background, 
football team, uh, how many kids we have, or whether you're married or single, we may share nothing. But I'm telling you, all of us who are born-again believers share the same beginning. There was a moment where we were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, and we were supernaturally brought into a living, new relationship with our Creator. All of us, if we're born again spiritually, have the same beginning, and we share the same identity. We are saints. Did you know that? That's exciting. I think it's so funny. I love when I'm traveling, and I see somebody wearing a gator shirt or a gator hat. You're at Disney World. Well, that's not a good... You're, you're somewhere else. What do you say when you see another get person? Go Gators. So you're indoctrinated. Go Gators. Go Gators. I love to do that. I love to see them. Because, and they'll look at me, yeah, chomp, right? We chomp, we say, go Gators. Why? It's fun. And there's joy in having that commonality. It's fun to be together in that unique relationship. We're, we're part of the Gator kingdom. Maybe y'all aren't very excited about it this morning. It's going to get better. I, I happen to be, uh, I'm, I'm a burgeoning, I'm, I'm a growing, come late, uh, go, fader, go Gator fan, right? So this is kind of a, a late thing in my life, but I have been, since I was a little bitty boy, I've been a Dallas Cowboy fan. And those of you who booed will feel very badly in a moment. So here's the reason why. My dad was in seminary out in Fort Worth, Texas, and we were just little kids. I was about five years old, and I, my grandfather came to town and took me and dad and my brother, took us to the very first home game of the Dallas Cowboys in Texas Stadium. Remember the Texas Stadium there in Irving? And it had the hole in the roof. Y'all remember that? They tore it down in 2010 and built the AT&T Monster Dome they have there. But D.D. Lewis said that the reason they, they were going to make it a retractable roof but they just kind of didn't get to it, so they ended up with this hole in the roof, which was really an odd thing back in the day. But D.D. Lewis said, Texas Stadium has a hole in its roof so God can watch his favorite team play. And uh, so I hold to that. But there's something about, as a young person, be, kind of having that experience in Texas Stadium, seeing the field. We were on the very top, and, uh, and I can remember uh, just what an exciting moment that was. And so my heart sort of bonded like a new little kid to the, Tex- to the Dallas Cowboys living in Texas. And, and sure enough, my dad's first church was in, in Virginia in the heart of Redskin Territory. It was really rough. But I was persecuted, but I held on. I still remain a Cowboy fan today. So I see Cowboy fans around, and, and I, I, I say, go Cowboys. It's kind of fun to have that connection from early on. And you and I are saints. And you and I, in a sense, are, I think what Paul is showing in this text is there is a connection with us that brings us joy. Because we may look different, sound different, speak different languages, but there is a joy. And what it is, is I think it's the Jesus in me loving the Jesus in you. It's just kind of a connection. You ever been around a Christian you didn't know was a Christian yet, and you just knew they were a Christian? It's the Jesus in you going, hey, that's Jesus in there. It's me and you, and it's me and and them. And you are connected by that. There's something exciting about that. And that is when we come together in our small groups and our large groups, when we get together, there ought to be a joy of kinship. 
a joy of family, a joy of sainthood. I want you to look at somebody nearby you. And if you don't have anybody to look at it, go ahead and pick a partner. Pick, a, pick somebody you're going to look at. I want you to look at them, and I want you to repeat after me. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. All right, let's try it again. Ready? Look at somebody, and if you don't have anybody, look at me, because I'm going to say it to you. Ready? The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. All right, and here's got a new thing. When we come together, or when, maybe when we finish every worship service, let's try this as an idea. I don't know if it'll work. It's what we do as a game. It's what we do as a team. Uh, we, we say, go Gators on three. Ready? One, two, three. No, we're supposed to say saints. Ready? One, two, three, go One, two, three, go saints, all right? We're saints. We're saints. That's far better. That's far better. Boy, did I mess that up. But we'll get it better next time. We have a joy of kinship. The same parentage. The same. And Paul is... Here's why he's laying in prison and he says, every time I think of you and I pray for you, my heart fills with joy. And he's thinking about the supernatural beginning of his vision. He didn't even want to go to Macedonia. If you remember back in Acts 16, he had an idea. He wanted to go to another place and God kept telling him no. And finally he had this dream of man from Macedonia and And he woke up and said, all right, I guess I'll go to Macedonia. And he ended up coming into Philippi. Did you know when he entered into Philippi, it was the the first time the gospel had stepped in to Europe. God called him to bring the gospel into the European continent, right there in Philippi. And the first believer, and I know he had her on his mind in that prison cell because she was the first church member. Her name was Lydia. She was a God-fearing Wealthy businesswoman, traded in purple. That purple was very expensive. And so he was thinking about this God-fearing. On on that Saturday, he and Silas went beside the river, and there was a group of ladies having a prayer meeting, and he shared with them the gospel. And he's thinking about how special it was, and he knows that her beginning was a supernatural beginning, just like his was. Listen to what Acts 16, 14 says. One who heard... Uh, us was, the name, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. If you are a believer, it is because God did a supernatural work. When you heard the gospel, he helped quicken your mind and your heart to receive the truth of that. And you responded to that gospel. And he's just he's rejoicing that this woman who wanted to prove herself through religious performance, she was a God-fearer. As soon as she heard the gospel, she just awakened to the gospel, and she received, and then she prevailed upon Paul and Silas to come to her house and let her take care of them, and she became a provider for his ministry. He was thanking God for that. And one of the advantages of being having served in ministry as long as I have now is I have a treasure trove of Lydia's in my heart. Roman jailers, of people at various churches at various places, and some right here who just in my mind, I saw them come to Christ, I saw God change their lives, I saw them go from death to life, 
And that brings me what? Joy. Joy. Facebook has some positive things to it, and one of them is that a lot of the young people, when I was a youth pastor back in the ni- early 90s, the youth pastor, uh, they are all grown with kids, and we're all connected on Facebook. And so I get to see these young people with their kids in youth group, and you see that progression of faith. And this man is stuck in prison, in the muck of prison, not being able to go and do what he wanted to do, but his heart is filled with joy as he is reminded of God's provision and God's faithfulness, and he's thinking about people like uh, Lydia. Then there was the slave girl in Acts chapter 16. There was a slave girl who'd been enslaved because she was demon-possessed. She could tell fortunes, and she kept uh, pestering Paul and Silas and saying, uh, and kind of bothering them, and finally they cast the demon out of her, but she became uh, a Christian. She became part of that early church, and um, that got them in trouble with her owners who were making a lot of money off them, and they got it, started a riot, which ended up putting Paul and Silas in prison. Well, guess what? In prison, they're singing hymns, having a great time. They shouldn't have been. They'd just been beaten. But then God releases them from prison at night. And maybe you remember that story. And the jailer thought for sure he was going to die. And he got ready to take his own life. Because if the gates fell off and, uh, of the prison cell, everybody would run out. You remember the story. Paul's like, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And when he went in and he had heard them sing in their times of persecution, in their times of suffering, he had heard their joy Then he had seen the power of God in their life, and he looked at him and said, what must I do to be saved? And this Roman centurion, this guard, was saved, and then he invited Paul and Silas over to his house, and his whole family heard the gospel, and they became a part of the church at Philippi. And I'm looking right now across this room at no less of a miracle that you're sitting here, that you believe in Jesus. And we can rejoice in that. Amen? We can rejoice that he saved us together. And it's better together. It's better together. So the second thing that we see is that not only was he joyful thinking about their common beginning he's joyful thinking about their growth and that they're going through the same kind of growth process and it's a joy that we should see in our own lives the joy of growing through his sanctifying process look at verse six so he writes to them and he says i am sure of this that he who began a good work think about the miracle of their uh, coming to christ the miracle of beginning of that philippian church and the riot he's thinking God did an amazing thing beginning that church and beginning your faith, but I am confident in this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And as we walk through the book of Philippians, we're going to hear prayers uh, of, of Paul from this prison cell. What he really rejoiced in and what he wanted to see and have joy in is their continued growth, their continued progress in the faith. For instance... Philippians 1.25, he says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. There is joy in growth. There's joy in you growing as a Christian. 
Listen to what he says uh, back if we go back to, uh, uh, well, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He gives a picture of what he wants them to look like. Oh, we're doing some family pictures later today. Why do we do family pictures? It's a pretty miserable experience. <laughs> Any of y'all have fun with family pictures? You haven't had five little kids trying to get them to all smile at the same time, looking in the camera all at the same time. It, but Photoshop is a wonderful thing. And, uh, but you, you, you have family pictures. Why do we do that? Why do we want to document? It's documenting growth. We love to say, here we are. Then we love to look back and say, look where we came from. There's a wonderful thing. And, and, and we want to see this family growth. And there's joy in becoming more like Jesus and seeing people born into the faith, see people grow and develop. It is, it is part of our joy. And it is a joy you only really have in the body of Christ as a partner in reaching and discipling other people. And here's the family picture he gives us in Philippians 2, verse 12. I love this. This is the snapshot Paul wants on his wall at the day of Jesus Christ. This is what he wants to present to Jesus. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who it works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so you hear this apostle saying, I'm not there, but even if I'm not there, I want you to grow in obedience. Work at your faith. Work at growth. Work at becoming more Christ-like. Verse 14, he says, And do it without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What a beautiful family picture he's hoping for. He's literally dying for to see his family grow and shine as lights in a crooked, dark world. He wants to see them obey. And I tell you, it's a joy. We got a... Our... our our longtime dog, Chloe, passed a couple of months ago, and so we have a new puppy. And what do I want to see? We, we love the, the new puppy comes out, and puppies are incredibly cute. And that's, that's, they also make babies cute for the same reason, so we don't kill them. It's, it's so, so they, because when they're puppies, they don't know where to go, when to go, Right? And so in the next four or five weeks, we're, we're, we're trying to go by the book and make sure that this puppy grows, not just physically, but grows in obedience, right? And there's a joy when this little puppy grows to become a wonderful companion and a wonderful member of the household, but that is a process. Do you know I'm still a work in process? My wife just said amen. You're still a work in process, but there's a joy in seeing us grow. And he's praying, oh God, I pray that they will be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And Paul was convinced. He who began a good work, he's going to complete it. And I know some, some of you as parents and some of you with friends, you've got 
young people that have strayed from the Lord or maybe friends that have strayed from the Lord and you're just trusting, claiming that verse. The seeds have been planted. The truth has been put into their hearts and you're just praying that process that you saw begin as a child that that God is going to complete that. And that's what Paul's longing is. is He he wants to hear that that Roman jailer's kids have, have not just come to faith, but they've matured in the faith and they're starting to become little missionaries in their schools and, and starting to become little disciplers of others and winning other Roman soldiers' kids to Christ. He's wanting to hear about their growth and their joy being a part of that. Can I tell you there's pain? Can I tell you there's struggle? Yes. But I'm telling you, there's a joy in that that you can only find in community with other believers. And let me just show you the final joy that he's thinking about. He mentions it over and over and over again in the book of Philippians. And that is the ultimate purpose and destiny of every single believer. You say, what is that? Look at verse 10. The joy of pursuing the glory of God, the praise of God, On the day of Christ. Look at verse 10. He says, So that, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, We're on a we're on the same path. We're heading towards the same destiny. I mentioned this over the last three weeks. We will all one day, we will all answer to God. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ as Christians. There will be a day of Christ. And Paul is just saying, live for that day. Die for that day. It's all about that day when we can give glory and praise to God through the work of Christ Jesus in our lives. And he says, knowing that is worth Everything that I have and all that I am, it's worth being in prison. It is worth that mission to you, Philippi. Press on towards that day. Press on. One of the things really attacking churches today and attacking the Christian church in America, we think it's the culture. I think far more dangerous than the culture is apathy. A lack of joyful togetherness for the gospel. And it is apathy's deadly. Discontent, disunity, we'll talk about that as we walk through there, but I just want you to hear the heart of a man who had every reason to complain, every reason to be despondent, every reason to worry. And yet he lays in a prison trusting that God's doing a work in that church in Philippi. Trusting that they're going to continue to partner with him in ministry and in mission. Until they all, and we all, stand before the Lord together. So since the body of Christ, Christian fellowship is a key to so much of our joy in life. And I think it is. If I sound like I'm trying to sell this to you, maybe in a little way I am. Because sometimes you forget. What we're going to hear him say, and I hear it uh, in, the, in his early verses. He, 
prays for them. He loves them. He holds them in his heart. Do you hold one another in your heart? Do you, are you mindful of one another? Do you think about each other as fellow pilgrims on a journey together? Do you pray for one another the way Paul is praying for them? I am so grateful for you that partner in this mission, that partner in this ministry, that partner through giving, that partner in this ministry action plan we're handing out today. It brings me joy to know I'm not alone in this. Our staff is not alone, and we shouldn't be alone. This is an incredible thing to live for, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, pursue one another. Latch on to one another. Go saints. Let the Jesus in you love the Jesus in them. If you're struggling to love them for who they are, you let the Jesus in you help you love. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Why do we need to be stirred up? Because we will sometimes get apathetic. We will sometimes need to be stirred up. We will sometimes get discontent. And we need to realize this is, not, this is a struggling journey, but it is a journey that can have joy. And part of the joy is getting together, stirring one another up. And look at verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And do it all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he's still thinking about the day here in the book of Hebrews. And run the race, he says in Hebrews 12. Run the race with endurance that is set before you. One day, they tore down Texas Stadium. It came down. It was one of those cool events where they put the explosions everywhere. You ever watch those? And it implodes. Boom. They... On the same day, they opened up AT&T, Jerry Jones Stadium. I mean, it's just this beautiful thing. Guess what? One day, this tent is going to implode. I'm going to leave this stadium behind, and I'm going to get a new stadium, a new body. And we're going to be in that place together, face-to-face with our Savior. I hope that excites you, because it excites me. And we're pressing on together and everything is better together here's what I want to encourage you to do become a saint if you're not one you say how do I do that what do I have to perform what do I have to do how, what good works you missed my point the point of it is you become a saint by joining Jesus by receiving Christ and his goodness His life for you on the cross. You receive that as a gift. Eternal life, He gives that to you as a gift. What we're going to celebrate here at the Lord's Supper, what we remember is His death, not my death, not yours. His death. Because it was a sacrificial death for us. And it was sinless. So He could take our punishment. So what we remember is His work for us today, not our work for Him. And, and I'm a saint. You're a saint when we trust in Christ in that. And so we celebrate it when we take communion. And He wanted us to do communion 
together. He wanted us to look each other in the eye and say, Jesus is in you and Jesus is in me. When we take this bread and this juice, it's a reminder that we all have the Spirit of Christ uniting us together in a joyful journey. And I pray, I pray that this study through the book of Philippians will increase and encourage you to have joy. Let's pray together. Would you take just a moment as we're, our heads are bowed and to prepare your heart just for the Lord's table? It might be a work of confession that you need to do. Just You've not talked to God in a while. Maybe you know there's some things in your heart that you've been disobedient and you knew it was wrong and you've just... You need to ask for forgiveness and get that out of your life in preparation to take the Lord's table. Maybe you just need to confess that your joy has been ebbing low. And as you take this cup and this bread, just ask the Lord to increase your joy in being one of His and being together in this growth process of becoming more like Christ, of being together in mission. Maybe that's your prayer. Father, we just lay our hearts before you with such gratitude, such thankfulness. Paul never got over what, what you did in his life. I pray we never get over what you have done for us. Born to a new life, a new journey with you. God, I, just, I pray we would all just be grateful that we sit among friends, we sit among fellow believers that are on the same journey. And we're here to encourage one another, stir one another on towards godliness, towards growth, towards sharing the gospel with others. Help us leave this place encouraged, more encouraged every time we come. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the other believers in our community that are doing the same thing together. We want to bring glory to God in this place. And now, Father, as we pass these elements, as we uh, take them, I pray that we would be even more thankful, more grateful than we've ever been. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.